Good morning. I want to thank you for once again joining me as we continue our study and as we finish up our study in the Song of Solomon uh, this morning. We are going to be covering chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, and it will conclude it. Um, as I told you in uh, yesterday's time together, there's not really a, a rigid or a, a big structural design to the way it's put together. Rather, it's a collection of love poetry and it's wisdom literature. And so as we've gone through it, hopefully yesterday you picked up on some of the themes. The two main themes are the looking or the hunting for each other, the bride and the groom trying to find each other. And then when they find each other, they come together and it's a wonderful moment. That's the first theme. The second theme is that they have an intense attraction to one another. And you see that all throughout these, the, these eight chapters. Those two themes are woven in and out. What I want to draw our attention to today is, is I do want to end with our conclusion here in just a moment. But I do want to talk about kind of the, the overarching theme, though, of the Song of Solomon. There's a couple of things that I feel is, is important to look at. There is a reality that this collection of poetry is written as a bride to her groom or as a groom to his bride. And there is a reality that there are individual passions and individual desires and uh, a longing that is there that is very much a part of um, a romantic relationship that we have in our life today. But there is a greater, I think, reality to this book, The Song of Solomon. Um, when you look at the historical way of reading this book, back before uh, the, uh, Christ came on the scene, when you were still looking at just the, the time that it was written in, the Hebrew tradition, people looked at this as an allegorical book. They saw the bride as being Israel, and they saw the groom being God. And they very much saw this as an allegory about how Israel is longing to find the right relationship with God and they're longing for their groom and, and, and God is coming toward them and there's going to be this unity and there's an intense desire for each other. Once the New Testament comes along, and we really get this from Paul's uh, writing in Ephesians, that we see maybe even more clearly that this is an allegory, but that it also, that it's, rather than talking about Israel and God, it seems to maybe point to the bride of Christ, which is the church, to her groom, which is Christ. And we see all of the things that they are willing to endure to be with each other, and this intense desire that they have for one another and this unity that they so long to have. And they're hunting for each other and they find each other and they come together and they have an intense attraction. And we see this. And it's a beautiful reminder of the love that Christ has for His church. In, we have, uh, in the conclusion, 
I'm going to read uh, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, and I want to bring up one further point uh, in our conclusion. It says this, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. It fla its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. So what's, what do I want to draw out here? There is a relationship between Christ and the church that is very real here. And there is a passion that the bride of Christ has for Christ. But I do think there's also some things here that's woven into um, the, the, the book itself. As you've read through it, and as you maybe finish up your time in reading today, there's a lot of garden themes throughout this book. And I think there are some garden themes that point us back to the Garden of Eden. Specifically, in the Garden of Eden, we have a husband, Adam, who cannot find his correct helper until God brings her to him. And when he sees her, he says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he talks about how they are designed to be with each other. And we see that their relationship is so pure and it is so right that they are naked and unashamed. There is nothing in Adam that is shameful and he looks at the way she sees him and realizes she finds nothing shameful in me. I don't need to hide. And there is a desire as you see in this Song of Solomon, in this wisdom liter literature, in this collection of love poetry, there is a desire to have relationships that pure again. There is a relationship for us to see each other as naked and unashamed that I would not be a shameful person. And not only am I not a shameful person, but the person whom I have a relationship with is not shameful. And they don't look for shame in me. Our relationships have been marred with sin since the fall in the garden. But we desire to have a relationship like it was in the garden again. Our desire is for that kind of relationship, and it can only be achieved if we see, ultimately, the reality that our relationship with God and our relationship with man can be restored and be brought into correct fellowship only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as you read Song of Solomon, understand there is an intense desire for our God. There is an intense desire for our groom, which is Christ. And there is an intense desire for each other. We want our relationships to be right. We want to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we want to love our neighbor as ourself. We want relationships to be brought back together. We want them to be renewed and restored, and that only happens through the gospel of our Lord. 
So I hope you've enjoyed your time reading the Song of Solomon. I hope this has been as helpful to you as it has been to me. And I look forward to seeing you again as we continue our daily devotions.